everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast conversation with successful business owners who share their secrets of thriving in business while living with chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Today, we're talking with a really great guest, and I'm excited to learn all I can learn about him because just in our talking beforehand, you're fascinating. <laughs> so welcome, Tyler. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you're on this podcast. Well, that's a, a really good question, Nancy. Well, I am uh, jack of all trades, master of none in a typical fashion. I've been in the performing arts since I was six years old and uh, been on stage, film, TV for 35 years now. It, uh, and I've had a, a really interesting career arc from film and TV. I retired from film and television at the ripe old age of 25 after a nice 19 year career, semi-retired now because I have gotten back into it. But at 25, I decided to go back to school. I got an engineering diploma in geomatics, which is a fancy way of saying map making. My uncle and both my uncles were in geomatics. My one uncle was a photogrammetrist, which is a fancy way of saying he made maps with pictures. And my other uncle was a cartographer, which was a fancy way of saying he made maps just by drawing. And so geomatics was always kind of in the blood. So I went back and got that degree, started a, a company that specialized in map making, specifically photogrammetry. And then that collapsed rapidly, but because when you're working in geomatics, your primary client is the Alberta or the government anyways, and um, you always have to have health and safety as part of any of those government contracts. So I became a safety professional in a roundabout way because I had to take all the safety training to develop a safety program for us. And then when the, my business collapsed and I was no longer running in view solutions, then uh, a friend of mine said, Hey, listen, I need a safety officer. And you're really close to having all the qualifications for it. If I pay for your courses, would you come and, and get that? So I did that I became a safety professional. And while I was running around doing these toolbox talks, which are the morning meetings that tell everybody what to do in the morning and how to be safe, uh, a couple of executives had seen me and said, Listen, you do that really well. Uh, I really like some of the things that you talk about. Would you come and 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 maybe give a, a couple of speeches for us and maybe be our keynote at our AGM or our kickoff meeting, or our safety stand down? And I started realizing that I had this career in speaking and safety is, is uh, a very rewarding job to be in, but it's very exhausting. And I prefer using my powers for good instead of evil. So <laughs> I've, uh, I, pivoted from away from the safety specifically and started getting into delivering keynote talks. And then the more I did, the more people came up to me and said, listen, you do that really well. I'd love to know how to do it. And just over the course of a couple of years of, of telling people how to get on stage and speak more confidently, I ended up making that my career. So now I coach and teach people how to public speak. I have a book out the power to speak naked it's a number one best-selling book on amazon or was on amazon and they got picked up by a traditional publisher and now it's going to be in bookstores everywhere september 9th so that's kind of the the roundabout who i am nancy 
How exciting is that? And I mean, that's, that's a lot of different areas, but, you know, you can actually tie them all together. And what I'm interested in hearing is, I don't know whether you, you know that this podcast is about chronic illness and running businesses. And I don't know if you have any sort of a chronic illness, but you certainly do understand what goes on for people who have health and wellness issues because of all your safety. What do you see as being important for someone who's trying to run a business who has safety and challenge issues, you know, and, and they're trying to do both. How, how do you suggest they do their best? Well, I, I think that's the start is to remember to do your best. Um, and there's a great uh, lesson in the book, The Four Agreements. Um, the, and the one of the four agreements is to do your best. And if you actually read the book, uh, the author discusses in a very detailed way that you need to recognize your best changes day to day, particularly if you're dealing with health issues or, um, you know, even just right now, people are under a lot of stress and strain. So whether or not you have uh, chronic illness or you are, are just feeling anxiety or stress, uh, your best is not always, it, it isn't linear right? What your best is, even within this hour, my best may be higher or lower based on circumstances. And, but if you can truly say in your heart that I gave it my absolute best today, that I didn't hold back, that that's usually the first start to any success, whether it's health and safety or any other component of the business. The other thing that I would say is that safety itself is not isolated. Uh, I know a lot of people tend to um, compartmentalize or silo the departments within their business. And one of the things that I talk about in a lot of my keynote presentations is that your corporate culture is your safety culture and your safety culture is your corporate culture. There is no difference. And so how you, it's the old uh, self-improvement adage, right? How you do one thing is how you do everything. And when I, when I'm working with clients, um, around safety. that's usually the first thing that I go to is what are your core values? What drives you? What motivates you? Because that, if you can tie into that, that's how you are going to find the health and safety component in what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. And and, uh, statistics, and I don't know what they are for for Canada because I haven't looked, but in the United States, 75% of Americans have at least one chronic illness, which mm-hmm. I think is just, on the one hand, amazing, but on the other hand, you know, look at our society today, and a chronic illness can be anything from fibromyalgia to cancer to diabetes to, you know, any of these things. Yet people don't understand them, they mm-hmm. don't want to deal with them. They want to put them on the back burner. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that I have as one of my main problems is called complex regional pain syndrome. And I've had it for seven years after I had, was in a really bad car accident and it's nerve damage. 
And where I used to live, they got it. They knew what it was. You know, they they uh, dealt with it. They treated me. People understood it. We've recently moved to another state. Go to a doctor here. I said, I can't do something as simple as cut my own toenails because the pain is so severe that I can't do it. And my husband has tried and can't do it because just touching me sends me through the roof. I have yeah. to have a doctor, you know, a podiatrist cut my toenails for me, something stupidly simple. But the doctor sent me to a podiatrist to have my toenails cut. And she says, well, if you can't cut your own toenails, you probably need to have your leg amputated. <laughs> no. She was totally serious. <laughs> so, you know, how do you, I mean, that because for a lot of people and a lot of people who have these chronic illnesses, these are not observed. They're not seen. They're, they're hidden illnesses, which is what they're often called. And, you know, if I were, I'm now in a wheelchair, so it's obvious that there's something wrong with me, but to sit here and look at me sitting in my chair, talking to you, you can't tell that there's anything wrong with me. So when we have issues like this and somebody comes up to you and says, oh, come on, you're just being lazy. Oh, come on, cut your own toenails or I'm going to cut off your leg. You know, how do you deal with something like that? Well, I think, uh, it, first of all, education, right? Um, it's a thing that I learned in safety education over enforcement. Um, I also learned to get second opinions and third opinions. Some people get stubborn. You know, if you get enough data points pointing you in one direction saying this is probably the case, you start to, to see a path. But if you have multiple people saying multiple different things, well, start to find the information on yourself. Do your own research. I know when I was 17, I had a, a medical event. We still don't know if it was a palsy or a mini stroke or what it was, but January 1st, 1997, 17 years old, I woke up uh, and the left side of my body didn't work at all. Um, I could barely get out of bed. I had to hobble up the stairs when I went to brush my teeth. I couldn't keep the toothpaste in my mouth. Like it was... And you got to remember at that point, I had been a professional actor for 11 years. I had my entire career planned out. That was going to be a thing that I was going to do. I was, <laughs> I was going to be in film and TV. And then overnight, when your face and your body doesn't respond to the impulses and inputs your brain is trying to give it, it especially at 17, it's, it's devastating. Like I thought the world was coming to an end. And, you know, I went to for all kinds of tests, all different kinds of specialists, and none of them could agree with what it was. I would love to have had a diagnosis. I would love to be able to say I definitively had a mini stroke or I definitively had Bell's palsy or I definitively had this, you know, some neuro something, but nobody could agree. And what I found was that I had to do my own research because, first of all, great, nobody knows what happened. Let's, let's get past this has happened. My face is paralyzed. Let's move on to how do I make it work again? Because I need it, I need it to work. Yeah. And I'd go to one doctor and they said, well, you know, because we don't know what the event was, we don't, we won't be able to tell you if you can ever recover, you may be this way the rest of your life. And then I went to another doctor who said the exact opposite, because we don't know what it was. There's a very high probability that you will be able to recover. Yeah. 
So which doctor do you think I spent most of my time with? I'm going to recover. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to recover because a lot of that becomes mindset, right? There are obvious drawbacks to a lot of illnesses, chronic or not. Uh, my sister Kelsey has MS. And you wouldn't know, again, outwardly, because she does her absolute best to control and to manage. She makes the people who need to be aware, aware of what, if any, accommodations she needs. And she does a really good job of communicating her needs to those around her and then taking on uh, the mindset of this is something that I'm living with that doesn't define me or control me. And that was my attitude with getting better, that this was a thing. Uh, it happened, but I was going to find the medical professionals who would guide me in my journey to get better because I had an end goal. I had to, by the end of the year, at least be functional enough that I could move to Vancouver and act so that I could then go to New York or LA and act, right? Like it was all, it was all about getting in front of the camera and making my face work. And so I spent a good 14 to 18 months doing really intensive physiotherapy, laser acupuncture, chiropractic treatments, holistic treatments, and then traditional medical treatments, uh, physiotherapy, just to get my face to where I can do this now. And for the most part, nobody would ever know that it happened. If I get really tired or exhausted, I start to like, I'll smile out the one side or my, my face starts to get a little bit lazy. Or if I've, you know, haven't been to a chiropractor in a couple of months, you know, I start to, you start to see signs of it. I'll twitch a little bit, but beyond that, you know, you have to really know to be able to tell. So I would say that the majority of dealing with a lot of this stuff is the mindset you go in. What mind frame are you going with? Are you suffering from or are you living with? Are you accommodating or are you, you know, dealing? What, what it, a lot of it comes down to language. You weren't that way, though, from day one. How, how did you get to that point where you, you know, I'm sure there was a little bit of, oh, geez, now what am I going to do in the beginning? Oh, in the beginning, I cried. For, I cried for a week. And the crying made me cry more because what would happen was I would, I would sob and I'd go, <laughs> and this side wouldn't work. And I'd be drooling. My friends would make me laugh just to see me do it. And which was both lighthearted and, and soul crushing at the same time. But yeah, no, it was hard. But again, it, it came down to who did I surround myself with, right? My friends, my really good friends were pulling for me. And they were all, they were super supportive. The medical team that I surrounded myself, big shout out to uh, Robert and Joanne Corbett, um, who really spearheaded not only my physical recovery, but my mental recovery. They were the ones who really pushed mindset matters that, you know, you have, you are in control of, of what you think. You know, they, they were some of the first people to introduce me to personal development concepts, uh, Dr. John Martini and Tony Robbins and, you know, things happen, uh, for you, not to you. And, you know, you can only control your thoughts and your actions that these outside circumstances don't dictate you. And whether you are born with a condition or you develop a condition, 
there are, you know, there are, there are people around the world who are succeeding and there are people around the world that are failing with the exact same circumstances. So you have to choose how you tackle and overcome that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that totally. Growing a successful business is hard enough, but trying to do it while adjusting to a new challenge like a chronic illness can definitely derail the best of us. Nancy understands. She has been there, done that. With 30 years of success, she knows the necessary business hacks to increase your income and relieve the day-to-day stress of running a business, all while living in an uncooperative body. Nancy can help you. Connect with her today through the links in the show notes so you can see your business soar higher. And one of the things that I talk about, too, is that for me, after my accident, I went from, I had different offices in different cities. I lived in a really small little town. So I traveled to be, I was like three hours from Chicago and two and a half hours from Detroit and two hours from Grand Rapids, which were all big cities. So four days a week, I traveled and I did training sessions in front of large groups of people. And I couldn't do that any longer. And, uh, you know, I was, I'd had, have had 16 surgeries in six years. And so I was in and out of the hospital and in physical therapy and all those kinds of things. And for over a year, when I first had all of this happen, I sat in the corner and said, I can't do my business anymore. I'm, and my whole life revolved around my family and my business, my business, even more so than my family. And I said, if I can't run my my business any longer, why am I even here? You know, I'm sitting, uh, we had moved into my parents' house to take care of my parents and we were living in the basement. And there was, you know, we had made a kitchenette area and there was a sink with water and stuff like that, but the bathrooms were upstairs. I couldn't get up to the bathroom. And so I had to use a porta potty sitting beside my bed because I couldn't even get out of my bed. And, you know, I let that mindset just go, oh, you know, I just can't do this. And then I woke up one morning and I said, this is not, it's a life-changing illness. It's not a life-ending illness. Mm -hmm. Get up off your butt and get going. There's still a whole lot that you can do. And from then my mindset changed and I started working and doing research and all that. But no matter how much my mindset said, go, 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 I couldn't do it without figuring out new ways. You know, I had to have new tools and new structures around me. And I think, and you talked about getting personal development programs and that. What are some of the things that you did other than that? to continue to keep your mindset on the positive? Well, so it became a solution um, orientation. And actually one of the greatest blessings that ever came out of that is now I am a very solutions oriented thinker. So I I don't look at problems as negatives. I I look at them and it's helped me in my safety career in what, what accommodation can be made? What solution can we find? Like, this is, this is what we've run into, especially in safety, because so often we will run into 
uh, physical limitations, uh, uh, whether it's from a human side or from an engineered physical space side. There are, there are limitations that are then placed on the work that can be done, but it still needs to be done and it still needs to be done safely. And so for me, when I had my, uh, my medical incident, what it became was how do I research it? What can I do to learn more? So I started studying the brain. Like what can I, you know, I became fascinated with it. I still have my scans, my MRIs, and I'm fascinated by how the brain works. It, it actually set me on a path to learn about NLP, neuro linguistic programming. Like it, it became a really interesting journey for me. But even just studying human physiology and then asking some of these medical professionals that I was with and, and really becoming curious, I, I adopted the curiosity of a five-year-old and it has uh, sustained me for the rest of my life where, and again, it came, it, it oddly tied back to safety because now when we do incident investigations or any time I have to uh, delve into why a program has failed. I use a method called the five whys, which I absolutely love the method, but I hate the name because it implies you only ask five whys. And really, I ask as many whys as a five-year-old child would, which is I never stop asking why. And by, by doing that, by becoming curious, right? Curious about my environment and why the things are the way that they are and, and what can be done, it allowed me to find different things. So for example, I found... The laser acupuncture was something that we stumbled onto as, as an exploration where I had uh, read about other studies where people had neurological deficits and had lost function in various parts of their body and Western medicine couldn't address it, but Eastern medicine had this really good ability. And then they had the laser acupunctures, which, which became more precise because they could really pinpoint nerve endings and they could pinpoint with much more precision than a traditional acupuncture needle and you could change intensity. So if you needed it to be really intense or you needed it to be less. And we, so we started using the laser acupuncture and I started looking at uh, different foods and chemical compounds that were known to build neural connections and restore nerves and uh, nerve connections and electro impulses. And then I started, you know, if I up my electrolytes, I can improve conductivity within my body. And if I improve conductivity in my body, maybe that will bring it back. And do I need to be more alkali? And how do I bring that into being within my body? So like, I just, I just researched. It gave me something to focus on other than the fact that my body didn't work. And by having that focus, and again, with a solution mindset, looking for how do, how do I address and solve this problem? with a positive outcome, it, it really focused my mind. It took me off of, uh, off of running down the negative, but it still happened. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, Hey, everything was sunny and roses. I remember I, well, man, I just, I remember that first week was just hell. I remember being coming back to school and the second week in the director pulling me aside and telling me that I couldn't be in the show. And that sent me into a spiral. I, I re even remember my graduation, like trying to get up my leg strength so that I'd be able to walk the stage. Um, and that was a real concern for me that I wasn't going to be able to do that, especially because my grandparents were flying out from the other side of the country. You know, I'm over on the West Coast. They're way on the East Coast. And they 
they, you know, it was probably gonna be the first time they were out in five or six years and seen them in a long while. And I, you know, it was a special moment and I didn't, I didn't want that to not be a thing. And, uh, but there was a time where I was focusing on what if I can't, and then again, great support, my friends, um, the Corbett's, my mom, all of them were like, look, what, what makes you think you can't so far you've done this, this look at the progress. And that was the other thing I, I really delved into metrics. So I really, I wanted to know what the numbers were and, and I could, even if it was incremental progress, as long as I could track it, it made me happy. I love everything you're saying. And I, and I believe everything that you're saying. It just, it makes so much sense. And it does boil down to, you've got two sides to everything. You've got the mental side and you've got the physical and you've got to somehow or other merge those two together in a way that you come out on top. And I say now to people, I say, you know, this accident was truly a blessing because I was, I've been able to learn and do and change my thought patterns and everything under the sun and be able to help and support other people. Whereas in the beginning, it was like, I'm going to get that guy if it's the last thing I do, because it was a hit and run, you know? And, yeah. And so it was, it, it was just all negative energy. And we know from anything that negative energy does not do any good. So Well, no, and not only that, but can literally be cancerous to the body. Uh, you know, that negative energy will manifest itself in various physical symptoms. And I when as soon as I was told that too, that was the other thing too. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to, you know, I can't always be positive, but if I can at least keep a good balance, let's call it 80, 20, right? Four out of every five. If I can, if I can keep positive energy within my body, um, and that's going to do it. And that, that was a, you know, <laughs> one of the things too, I was like, I don't want, I don't want to manifest anything more negative into here. Yeah. And I think one of the important things too, that you just mentioned, Nancy, is when something like this happens, whether it is um, acute onset or if it's something that we've born with and has, uh, you know, is just something that we're we we're going to have to live with from birth. Um, there, if we keep that inside, we're doing a disservice because the more we can have conversations like this, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book is to empower people to talk about what you're going through, right? Like how, as silly as it is, how powerful a story is it for you to say, I couldn't clip my own toenails and I went to a podiatrist and they told me I had to cut my leg off, right? Like I, I identify with that. I sympathize with that. And I go, no. And although my situation and your situation are drastically different, I still know what it's like to be told that this is the solution when in your soul and your heart, you know, that's not true. And the fight that you have to go through to, to weed through the fluff and the haze of professional opinion, because, and, and remembering that it is just opinion. A lot of time they're educated, make no mistake. Yeah. And it's an educated opinion, but it's still an opinion. And that's why I say, I'm I, again, I love the data. If I, if I go to 10 specialists and eight out of the 10's opinion is it's this, it's probably this. But if I go to 10 specialists 
and not a single one of them agrees or two say this, two say this, two say this, two say this, and I'm only getting 20% consensus. Well, then you know what? I get to pick which the reality is. I love it. I love it. That just makes so much sense. And I mean, that to me is, is my mission in life is to get people, especially people who are trying to run a business, you know, at the same time as dealing with all of this. And one of the things that, and I think we talked about this early on in the conversation, we have to realize that we, our best may not be as good as yesterday. It may be better than tomorrow. Yeah, we, we have to give ourselves permission, I think, to a little bit of go with the flow kind of thing and know our bodies and say, okay, I just really didn't feel like doing this podcast today. I'm going to send Tyler a message and say, I'm not going to do it, you know, or, or jump up and down and say, I can't wait till I get to talk with Tyler. I'm so excited and let's get this going early. You know, those, those kinds of things you, you have to, I can remember early on when I first started doing my podcast, which was about three years ago. Now I had set up an appointment to interview someone before, you know, everybody goes through this pre-interview with my assistant, but back then I was doing it myself. And the first interview I had to cancel because I had a doctor's appointment come up and the doctor said, you know, I need to see you right now. Well, you're going to say, okay, not put it off for two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So I canceled that one, rescheduled. The second one I had to cancel because I had laryngitis and I couldn't talk. (laughs) You know, you can't have much of a conversation if you can't talk. Well, then I get this message back from her assistant. It wasn't even from her. It was from her assistant saying, well, if you don't consider me any more important than that, let's just forget the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So number one, I went into this deep depression for a few minutes about, well, I screwed up. You know, this is all my fault. She was going to be a really good person to have on my show to saying, well, it's her problem. You know, she's the one that's missing out. And again, that's mindset, but it's, you know, you have to allow yourself. And I think you have to be open and honest with the people around you and say, hey, look, this is my reality. You know, for you, it was a little bit more obvious. You had a face that didn't work, you know, but you have to be able to say, this is who I am. And if you allow me to do what I do best, then we're both going to get the best out of it. Well, and you touched on a really good point. And it's one of the things that I do talk about in both my book and any of my online training courses. And that is authenticity is synonymous with self-awareness. You need to know who you are in order for you to come to the table as the best you can be. And the thing that you're afraid to say is very likely the thing that your audience needs to hear. And what I mean by that is that so often we try to put on this coat of armor and we try to build these walls and we try to put up these protection mechanisms so that we, we keep the, the stuff away, right? Oh, I, I don't want to burden them with that. I, I don't want to share that with them. What if they find out? 
And I think one of the lessons that we can all learn, even from that story, is that if you're up front, look, these are, this is who I am. This is why I want you on. Now, all of a sudden, there's more context to why you're canceling. And I would say to any business owner, particularly small business owners who are trying to make it but are struggling with the chronic illnesses, that make that a center point because it, it, it's a consuming part of your life anyway. So it's very likely tied into your core values. So your business needs to make that a part of its messaging. That, you know, if you're, if you, uh, whether, it, whether, so I'll give MS as an example, just because it's, it's an easy one for me to understand, right? Um, Kelsey will put charity work up front. So she does business with businesses that support the MS Society. And she donates to the MS Society. So people who do business with her know that you come to me, this is my value, this is my alignment. My wife, will donate regularly to anybody who supports diabetes because her father has diabetes. I will support cancer charities and I also support the food bank. So, you know, these are the things that align with me. So I would strongly advise anybody who is uh, running a small business and, and goes, well, this, this is part of the reason why I can't do these things. Well, I challenge you to start telling people, look, this is my small business. This is the chronic illness that I, that I deal with. And this is how I'm supporting myself. This is how I'm supporting others with it. This is how I'm building awareness around it. Because again, you're not the only one who has that illness. You look at, it's a good stat in Canada, by the way, is not much further down the line than the States. We're slightly better, I, but we're, we're very close statistically to that 75%. And so you, the problem with these things is when we don't talk about them, we feel isolated and alone. And it's not until you say, I have this. And then somebody goes, oh, I have that. Or my friend has that. A really, really, really good friend of mine, Vanessa McWilliams, who is a very accomplished speaker herself and would probably be a really good guest on your show, by the way. Under my way. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll throw that introduction later. But she's, she's phenomenal and loving and, and great and has recently started modeling, but she has alopecia and so she's bald. And everybody always assumes that she has cancer. And for the longest time, she tried to hide it and she'd wear wigs. And her turning point was when a couple years ago, her son was 10 years old and she kind of just didn't want to, you know, they were sitting watching TV and she just kind of ran her hands through his, through his hair and came up with a big chunk of hair. And then she kind of slowly went around to the back and looked and he had this bald spot that was starting and her heart just broke because she remembered being 10 years old and the bald spot, bald spot starting herself. And then she made it a mission that she was going to normalize alopecia and that pushed her business, that pushed her coaching practices, that pushed her modeling career. That started to become a center focus. As soon as she was able to come out and say, look, I don't have cancer. I'm not a skinny twig girl. And I'm bald. I'm bald because of alopecia. And she started to discuss what alopecia is and how it's an autoimmune disease and that she couldn't do anything about it and that her body attacks her hair thinking that it's sickness. And so it does, she could want to grow hair all she wants, but she's never going to grow it. And, you know, she does this great when she does her talks. She, she, it's so funny. She uh, comes out on stage and she goes, oh, I'm sorry. Let me do my hair. <laughs> and she adjusts her eyebrows and it's, and it's so much fun 
every time I see her do it, it makes me laugh. But that's somebody who is, you know, taking, taking what her illness is and putting it to the forefront and saying, this is a part of me, but it doesn't necessarily define me, but it is going to help guide my mission. It's going to guide my practice. It's going to guide my small business. And subsequently, she's got a huge community. And so other people with alopecia are supporting her. And now I never knew what alopecia was five years ago. It was not even a word in my vocabulary. And now I know every celebrity who has it from Patrick Stewart on down. And I know other people who have alopecia and I know people whose kids have alopecia. And now I have this network that when they go, Oh, I'm struggling with this. I go, Oh, well, you need to talk to Vanessa because I know that that's what she has. And she has educated me through her social media and through just being her and her business. Well, and you know, that's really interesting. And it brings up a couple of thoughts. It goes back to, to my point about doctors down here. The, what complex regional pain syndrome used to be called as RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy. When I originally got diagnosed with that, I was told I was going to have to have a lobotomy. So not only are they cutting out my, cutting off my leg, they're getting rid of my brain, but then RSD got to be known and, and people understood what it was. But I still thought I'm the only one. I've never heard of anybody else who has this. Well, now they've changed the name and we're back again to nobody, including the doctors, knowing what it is. And it makes you feel alone. It makes you feel vulnerable because you're different. And I was doing some Googling the other day and all of a sudden, all of these RSD and CRPS groups start popping up and, and I'm going, oh man, I'm not alone. You know, there's, and that in and of itself makes you feel supported, makes you feel like there are other people out there that understand you and that you're not alone. And I, I just love that whole thing. And so I'm going to, I'm going to keep on fighting. <laughs> and I, I'm, I've got your corner, Nancy. I'll, I'll be your ring man. I'm definitely there to support and champion you. All right. Wonderful. We have actually gone over the time. I told you we probably would. <laughs> what have we not talked about that you really need to tell us? I, honestly, the one I just, I want to reinforce the message. It's not that I haven't told you, but I want to say it again that if you're a small business owner and you are living with a chronic illness or disease, uh, don't try to hide it in the corner and try to work it into your marketing, try to work it into your messaging. Uh, your customers will appreciate it because they will understand a lot of times, as Nancy said, you know, you have to cancel this because of a medical appointment or whatever. There is a, an upfront understanding and a sympathy that will come with it. And if you can powerfully work it into your message, it's actually a remarkable marketing tool. Don't, don't try to hide it into the corner. Be, be proud and say, this is it. Because as Nancy was pointing out, there is a lot of support out there if you look and you will find your community. You will find the people who are going to come and rally to your cause. So uh, don't be afraid to say the thing that you're afraid to say. It's what your audience likely needs to hear. I love it. Thank you so much. When can we find your book? 
Uh, anybody could go to Barnes and Noble and pre-order the copy. It's The Power to Speak Naked. It'll be available in bookstores in September 9th. And if anybody wants to get on the mailing list for anything else, they can go to seantylerfoley.com. And Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Tyler. This has just been, I got goosebumps. I, this has just been a wonderful conversation today. So thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Guys, everybody listening, I hope you took notes. This has been an important message today. One that was very, very eloquently spoken. Same thing I tell you, but I get down and give you the give slap version of And Tyler told us in a wonderfully pleasant theatrical way. <laughs> Again, if you need to have a question answered, I'm sure he's willing to answer you. He gave you his website and look forward to having more of the same kind of discussions next time on Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly. Until then, get out there, be productive, and soar higher. Take care, y'all. Bye-bye.